to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. And Mike, have you passed a kidney stone before? No. Okay, Ryan. You know which I is have. okay. <laughs> which is the funniest thing? It's coming. <laughs> yes. I've had more Dr. Peppers than probably either in my Dude, lifetime than either one of you combined. You've, but here, you've had more Dr. Pepper in the last year probably than I have in, here's, in your whole life. Here's yeah. the difference. And I don't know if people know this because they just assume I drink a ton of Dr. Pepper. I only drink a ton of Dr. Pepper when we're recording simple podcasts. True. Um, or when I'm like traveling. Wow, and break the brand. Break Come the on. brand. I know. Um, <laughs> we just lost our sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> no, <right>. I drink <laughs> a ridiculous amount of water. Yeah, and I'm yeah. saying that literally. I'm not being figured. I drink a ridiculous amount of water. Like mm-hmm. I am constantly drinking water. So I have a feeling that's probably why yeah. I haven't had a kidney stone yet. It's because even though I drink some soda or soda. pop, I drink so much water that it probably helps flush some of that out. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I. So what's funny is that like as far as drinking is concerned, I'm actually in the more the healthier part of my life in drinking. Like I don't, have the, only the, the, the I don't have alcohol? the pink things. I'd have unsweet tea. Like you even, don't do the cancer packets. I don't do the cancer packets. Like I'm doing unsweet tea. I'm. I mean, it will we we can't do any artificial sweeteners at oh, home. Uh, that's part of it, though, isn't it? Like caffeine doesn't caffeine attribute to that? Can so uh, like, okay. So like so, if you're not compensating with just straight and, water. Well, I do. That's, that's oh, what I was okay. getting to. Is that like and I'm just going through the list? Well. Is that like that? The spinach is bad for you. Uh, spinach has the phosphate. That's what I was going to get to. Yeah, Let me finish my list. Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm, what's crazy is I'm thinking like I'm at this healthier part of my life and it includes more bananas, more spinach, these types of things. But that's a part of the kidney stone list. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm drinking like less sodas and like less sweet teas and like more unsweet teas and like the things that were more sugary. I'm I'm even though I'm still enjoying tea, it's not right. the unhealthy side of tea. Um, and maybe caffeine, I mean, you have an argument about caffeine, whatever, but still more water, not as much water as I should, but that's still an argument to be had. People, there's people that drink water nonstop and I don't care to pee that much. I don't want to pee all the time. time. Yeah. I really pee Uh, like all the time. (laughs) So do you have to get up in the middle of the night? No. Huh. I'm not 46 yet. Do you, do you temper yourself? Like, do you slow down your water drinking? I don't drink a ton of water, like after a certain point in the night. Now it's funny. I will, uh, this has happened lately where like I get thirsty, you know, after nine 30 sometimes and I'll drink like a glass of water and I know I'm going to have to, I need to stay awake for the next like 45 minutes. (laughs) Because if I start to doze off at like 10, I'm going to wake up at 10, 15 having a pee. So like I will on purpose, like. If I start watching disc golf when I get in bed, which is usually my routine when it, You're it out. puts me, mm-hmm. I'm out. Ryan's seen this. I'm like out within minutes. <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll watch something else or read something else so that I'm not doing, because if I watch yeah, disc golf, yeah. it's done. But no, I do. I, I try to like temper it at night, but uh, but I still drink a lot. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But no, I don't have to get up often in the middle of the night. That's so pee. funny. So you, Ryan, you also said you lucid dream. You know what I've, I've trained myself to do? Because... I now get up in the middle of the night to pee, but it's only because I used to convince myself to not get up. It's like, oh, Pierce, you can get pushed through. And then I'd be uncomfortable and then you dream for like, it. yeah, I would, and I wouldn't like pee the bed, but like I would be so uncomfortable for the next like three to four hours in bed. And so now I've gotten to the point where like, I have so much willpower over myself. I'm like, screw you, sleep, Pierce. And I'll like, <laughs> and I'll like get up and go to the bathroom, but I can also fall asleep just like that. Just so quick. And Hannah hates me for it. So Hannah is a type of person that is like, I am going to fight through it and just stay in bed because if I get up it's and go terrible. to the bathroom, I will be awake yeah, the rest then, of the night. So you could then be you awake, sleep. I was going to say, you, know, yeah. you could be awake uncomfortably or you could be awake comfortably. Yeah, exactly. Seem With like the chance to fall back to sleep <laughs> yeah. at least. Yeah. So I, there was a while this there. This is really a conversation where you can tell we're getting older now. I know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I get really excited for waking up. There's now it's mad. I get mad because it was between like three and four that I wake up. And I was like, yes, I can get it. Like a few more hours of sleep. This is great before Riley wakes up. But now it's switched to where I wake up between like six and six 30. And I'm like, oh yeah. Yuck. Now I only like get, to get like 30 yeah. more minutes of sleep before Riley's up. And I hate myself. I, I want to go back to waking up at three. So I can start calling you when I get up at six. You can, man. I'll be like, what's up, man? I'm just peeing. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say I have noticed uh, I mean, because Riley's two now, right? Or almost. Almost two, yeah. I, it's funny because years ago, right? 
I knew not to text Pierce before like 930, mm-hmm. you know, because I wasn't yeah. going to get a response. 930 <laughs> well, you were, you were staying up ridiculously late. It's not yeah, like you were yeah. sleeping for. Yeah. Hours. Back then I would get, I had to turn my, I had to mute you guys on the group text. Yeah, yeah, Y'all yeah. would start texting me at like 1130 on a Saturday night when I'm like, Trying to go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Screw you guys. Well, but, but that was also when we were still doing church Sunday nights. You were still doing Sunday yeah, mornings. Y'all didn't have Sunday mornings. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We didn't have you that. But I know that I can always text you because, like, you're running one of the kids, or you were before mm-hmm. uh, Seth got his license. You were running one of the kids to, you know, practice at five forty-five. Mm-hmm. So I know that I could text you, Micah, about six thirty. But with Pierce, you couldn't. And now I get re- responses from Pierce sometimes before eight, and I'm like. It's a different world it now. Is, you're you're yeah. practically you're a real dad. Almost, almost a, real dad. a real dad. Yeah, getting there. How weird. So kidney stone. You had a kidney stone. I had a kidney stone. Passed it hurts, the kidney stone. It? It is, but what's crazy is I agree with you. You had said if you had known it was a kidney stone, you had known it would pass, that you would just rather be at home and let it pass. Yeah. And that's 45 exactly, minutes of the worst pain I've ever had. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I... um if I had known that's what it was, I wish I would have just gone home and gone Wait to bed. Wait till you get the bill, then you'll really feel know, like you yeah. wish you had stayed home. What's great is I've already met my deductible this year for all the other crap that's gone on in my mm-hmm. life. And so I hit 30 and I've gone to the hospital more than I have ever in my entire life. And so- You uh, know what also I think I'm wondering too is I'm like super active with the water thing. Like- with your water and you just play with it? Yeah. What does that mean? I'm active with the water? No, I'm just wondering like like with my water intake and my amount of activity, yeah, if yeah, that yeah. has contributed to me not having a kidney stone yet at this point in my life with the blood amount. flow, you're working out, you're working I mean, things it's gotta out. have something to do with yeah, it. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? You're like, utilizing the sugar energy. Even though I don't work out like you, Ryan, I'm probably more active than you. Like overall. You know what I'm saying? Like there's Yeah, probably. Like I'm, there are more, there are more moments of the day when I'm active in terms of like heavy activity. Yeah. I stand at the easel a lot. Yeah. Which yeah. is activity. It's and just not study as, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. I think I probably am more active than most people mm-hmm. by, by like daily, know, except for these freaking weekends where I'm like driving for nine hours or sitting in yes. an airplane. That's going to be when you pass one is oh, when, when you're on awful. a nine hour drive. Yeah. Oh man. It's going to happen. It is. The Seinfeld episode where Kramer passes a kidney stone is one of my favorites. <laughs> I don't remember that one. Seen that one oh, I've never seen any of them, but dude, I wanted to, I don't, I think I sent you the gif because like, but I figured they might not know what it is. So I also, I need you. to go, but yeah, I'll, I'll need to look at the clip. Oh, dude, he's got like a thing of popcorn. He's at the circus or whatever, and he's got a thing of popcorn, and it hits him, and he grabs himself, and the popcorn's going everywhere. And he's like, ah, you know, and, and it's just, uh, it's it is, yeah. Awesome. Hannah asked me to hold me to hold her hand, and I was reminiscent of me telling you wait, wait. to hold my hand when you had when I was hand. like going through the pain, and I was like, nope, because I was, I think I had like crossed my hands. I think I was like holding the oh crap bar in the yeah. in yeah. the car with yeah. like with like my with my left hand and like grabbing the That's console with this hand Pierce. and I was like oh, I just, and like I was yeah. trying to stretch out my legs and it was I would have given you a stick and put it in your mouth. <laughs> no, yeah just, just like oh, the old I fell down on the floor three years ago. I fell down on the floor at Walmart and Pierce came and picked me up. Mm-hmm. We had to then go home and wait for uh my brother in law to come watch the boys and we unloaded the groceries, yep. and then we were on our way to the ER. You unloaded the groceries? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and then on the way to the ER, Pierce was like, do you want to hold my hand? And I'm like, just shut up and drive. <laughs> just drive. <laughs> I, so like, I did tell What him. was worse, that time that you had to use the restroom on our trip for, for <laughs> Riedosa? Well, you didn't have a stop for a long time, uh, or the kidney stones? <laughs> well, those are two different kinds of experiences. <laughs> like true. The kidney stone... Was you have no the control. worst pain I've ever had for 45 minutes to an hour. It was what the if worst it had been combined? Oh, dude, I, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to control your butthole if no, you had that much pain. I would have pooped myself. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> the, 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 the from Ruidoso to, to Roswell. <laughs> uh, oh, we were coming back from staff retreat one year, and I, I told the guys, I was like, quit talking. <laughs> Because it was taking all of my energy just to focus yeah. so that I didn't poop my pants. I was like, just quit talking. And I think I even had you roll down the window because I was getting hot. Like I, was yeah. like, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. It was really rough. And then you waddled into the stripes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was so glad there wasn't somebody on the toilet already because it's a yeah. one-seater, you know? Like, it's rough. Yeah, that was that was bad, man. We I barely made that. Oh, man. 
Well, hey, let's just go. <laughs> let's go on over to the PCC. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the corner. I love that there are so many episodes that highlight my dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> and my, <laughs> we just end on that note and then just come on right. over here. Yeah, pterodactyl boy. So I got a quote. I got a quote. Uh, excuse me. So I read an article that is centered around the resurrection and race, uh, the resurrection of Christ and race, and I. I got a quote from that article and I am going back and forth on how race I, as in ethnicity, ethnicity. Yes. Okay. Um, and I'm going back and forth on how I feel about this stance. Um, and this quote, I think does a good job of highlighting the entire article, but obviously this doesn't encompass the entire article. So for those listening, if you guys want, um, the article was called the resurrection and me from the New York times. Um, or the resurrection and the black me, something like that. Uh, so this quote says, when my body is raised, it will be a black body. One that is honored alongside. Wait, speaking of like the resurrection, like that will happen someday for us. Yes. When our body is yeah, yeah, resurrected. Yeah. yeah. So he is a, he's a black Christian male. Uh, and one day, one day How when he, he when he is raised. Male. Yeah, I know, right? It's going to be every episode from here. Really black. <laughs> How do we even know who we are? Uh, when, when my body is raised, it will be a black body. One that is honored alongside bodies of every hue and color. The resurrection of black bodies will be the definitive re rejection of all forms of racism. At the end of the Christian story, I am not saved from my blackness. It is rendered everlasting. Our bodies, liberated and transfigured but still black, will be the eternal testimony to our worth. So the reason why I go back and forth on it is obviously I'm a white American male. And so I think culture has conditioned me to see a lot of things like this and be immediately like, I don't have a say. And I think that there is a lot. Have a say in what? Have a say in regards to things concerning race. And so I think that where we, I think in, in where we are in culture, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of white males who oh, want. Oh, you're saying like culturally, our culture doesn't let a white male have any say in Absolutely. Race. Yeah. I so I think my initial. You weren't saying, I don't have a say. You're saying culturally people don't let you. Have exactly. A say. Yeah, exactly. So I think that my first thought is to not have a thought, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like you're scared. This is what they've done. Yes. They made you scared to have any say. Exactly. And then my next thought's like, that's stupid. And so I'm just kind of walking through my process of as I'm reading this article is my next thoughts like, well, that's stupid. This is concerning what we talked about last week, the resurrection of Christ and how crucial that is for Christianity without the resurrection of Christ. If Christ is still in the grave, then there is no Christianity. Like, right. Like we who believe in Christ are the most to be pitied because Christ is still in the grave. Christ isn't God. Christ isn't who he says he is. This is, this is the, the hinge point of Christianity is that Christ left the grave empty. And what it means for us that we too will be one day, we live resurrected lives and we too one day will be resurrected. Um, and so on the other hand, I think that I have a lot to say about this topic in regards to resurrection. Sure. Um, and then, but also my initial, my another question as well is when it comes to the resurrected bodies he's talking about is race even we have no idea effect. Yeah. So that's like, okay. It, it's funny to make a stance on that. I will be black again. Mm -hmm. Or I will be brown again for me, or you guys, you will be pasty white again. Like, exactly. Yeah. You, there's nothing in the text. Pink. There's nothing in the text that says that. Like, we have no idea mm -hmm. what those bodies look like. I, I would assume. I would assume that maybe they're coming from a Revelation seven standpoint, where it says before the throne the there'll be every tribe and every yes. tongue and every nation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is is that then. Right. Exactly. I think that the, like for those yeah. of us who believe in a literal thousand year reign of Christ that it could look different. Like, cause True. we don't believe that that, like there are people who are actually coming from the nations who are in still these bodies then. Right. So I don't know if you would be able to make that as a definitive case for that, for right. saying mm. that I'm resurrected in, in a race. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think you'd have a hard time saying that based off of, is it Matthew 22 where Jesus speaking about the resurrection says, um, that you're neither married nor given in marriage, but you are likened unto the angels in heaven. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's something different, fundamentally yeah. different about I, our resurrected bodies. I also have no idea that we're not going to have. Yeah, exactly. The point yeah. is, the yeah. point is, you can't know his. I, the reason I don't like the article is because he's, um, he's poo pooing to use something we talked about a second ago. On uh, he's poo pooing on the gospel. Yes, it's, yes. It's it's if the gospel's about race, you've missed it. Yes, the gospel that, is about salvation for all. Mm -hmm. that, right. That's exactly every nation, every tribe, every time, right. every people. Mm -hmm. And to make a case that this is, he's trying to say 
that when I'm resurrected, it's a, it's proving that there's no racism. Yeah. Which is funny because it's like his whole goal is to prove that racism doesn't exist. When if you just read the New Testament, there is now no more Jew or Greek exactly. or slave or free. Like, yeah. I would say to him after I kicked him in the nuts, you're a freaking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> For poo-pooing on the gospel, stop it. If mm-hmm. you really are a believer, don't let it be about your race. Let it be about Jesus, yeah. you freaking idiot. And this is the difference between Sorry, me and Micah. I think that we have the exact same heartbeat, but I think that my the way that I might go about it personality-wise is say, is look at him and say, is your is what you're trying to accomplish, which I think we can see from his words, is your is your emphasis wanting to be the gospel or race? And then hopefully, race. hopefully through a conversation, make him say the gospel and say, okay, well, what you did here No, because he wrote race. an article in the New York Times, so it's exactly. not, it's about race. It's he's about trying race. to say, what he's trying to say is that Christ, it's probably this idea that Christianity has been a white thing for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And what's so funny to me about that is like, we want to talk about the history of it, but we don't want to talk about the history that it started in the Middle East. Right. And that there are Christians across the world now. That Jesus are, wasn't white. <laughs> I know. And that yeah. there are like people in China now dying mm-hmm. for the gospel. There's people in the yeah. Middle East now dying for the gospel. Like yeah. there's people in Africa. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Well, yeah. it's, stop it's it, boiling stop. down to uh, what, what do you find primarily? What do you find your identity in? Mm-hmm. Uh, race or mm. Christ, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, and if if primarily we find our identity in race, then what you're going to run into is the problem that we see in Acts 15, where the Jewish believers, sorry, Acts 11, where the Jewish believers were resistant to there even being the possibility of Gentile believers, yeah. Uh, and so once the identity at the end of chapter 11, once the identity became okay, the identity then is Christ and faith and the mm-hmm. Spirit, which is actually part of our episode today, I guess. Uh, once the identity became Christ, exactly. then the I, the the racial identity was no longer because the topic of, of conversation. Yeah. So yeah. little nuance is kind of funny about that particular thing, that there was this concept that the Gentiles were, were kind of on the outside. That was the white people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the Gentiles were the white people. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. On that note as well, I think that— And black people and brown people. I'm just saying, yeah, like, right. they One, weren't included in the, yeah. the fold. One thing that— on that same note, and then we can exactly like what you said, going to use that use that transition to go into our topic. One thing that I think that he said that I have no idea. Like I said, I don't. I'm not in the. I'm a white. I'm a white guy, and I I want to know more about this. And so if you're, if we are a person of color, um, but we've talked about if, yeah. if you're another person of color listening, I I'd, I'd love to know more about this. But the, he said something here. I'm not saved from my blackness, and I don't know if that's just clickbait. It's a response. Um, but I go back to what you had said a second ago of 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 the identity now isn't um, isn't race, but it is Christ. Right. What I would hate for people of color or or even white people, I mean, it, regardless of where, what, like you said a second ago, the white people were the outsiders. So regardless of the time period, I would hate for people to look at this beautiful truth of Christ that our identity is no longer race, our identity is no longer gender, our identity is no longer anything <laughs> that's societal or world-defined. Okay, wait, just to be clear real quick. Your reference, just to make super clear, because I think what you just said could sound really awkward, that this okay. is no longer about gender. What you mean is Paul says there's the, in, 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 in Christ, there's no longer weight placed on male or female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not saying that gender oh, doesn't no. matter anymore. Yeah, sorry. What that's I, what, yeah. totally what it sounds Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, so yeah, that's what I mean is that in, in Paul, what, what, reference, what reference is that? Paul says- it talks about it in Colossians and in Galatians. Yeah, so- uh, there's no no longer Jew nor Gentile, no longer male nor female, no longer slave nor free. But in Christ, everyone is one. Right. Um, that Christ is now the defining factor of our identity. Right. That doesn't mean that you are that you're stripped from your gender, that you're stripped from your or race or right. your culture yeah, or for anything. Sure. You're not stripped from that. But Christ is your identity. What's your right. identifying what factor? So what I was getting at is that I would hate for people to look at that and say I had to be saved from my blackness. I had to be saved from, that? I just don't know. Like he said, he said here, I'm not saved from my well, blackness. That's what I'm so, saying. It's a response. It's, I think what people miss about this kind of crap that goes on now, it's why it pisses me off so much is because it's under the guise of Christianity, but it's actually not about Christianity. What he's doing has nothing to do with Christianity. Politics. What he's doing is making a mm. political standpoint as a person of color, trying to say like these freaking racists are ruining our world. Mm. Yeah. And I'm telling him, stop. I'm telling him, stop as a person of color to another person of color. Stop talking about color. There's no color in Jesus. Yeah, gotcha. we are of color, but there's no value in color in Jesus. And the more you talk about it, the more it makes it seem like the gospel is about color. And that's why it pisses me off because these mm-hmm. people are using their 
victim mentality to to taint the gospel. Mm. I'm not even saying they don't have bad experiences because of color. Yeah, and so, racists are idiots. <laughs> yeah, yes. and the, the the small group of people in the world that are still racist are idiots. And I would kick them in the nuts too yeah, for being yeah, yeah. idiots. And Absolutely. I've met Christians who talk about people of color in a certain way. And I was like, the only reason I didn't have a physical altercation with them is because <laughs> I was paid to be at this camp that week. <laughs> there was trying, I was trying to weigh the value of what I get. I'm just saying like, this stuff pisses me off because it's under the guise. It makes, apparently it makes white Christian males worried about commenting on it. You guys should be just as pissed off as me. No. And that's, and that's why I wanted to bring it here because I think that like, I felt everything that you're saying, but also under this, like, how do I feel? How do I filter it? How do you're I just scare because it's a color guessing? And I think that it's, I'm, <sighs> did I just say colored? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, Gosh, it's, us, us it's more so like, how do I speak to it? And I, I think that it's scared may be the right, the right way to say an initial response, but I think now responding to that initial fear and saying, how do I, how do I temper and speak to it? Because if I respond, if the, the reality is, if I respond in the same heat as you just responded, I'm shut down. Like I, and if I, if I look at this and I begin to respond in that same way, you said something, you said one person of color to another person of color. I can't say that. Yeah, no, I'm saying and that. So, yeah, 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 exactly. So but I think if, we, I think that's showing the issue. Mm-hmm. In Christianity, I'm not in culture. You're right. Yeah. If we, what I'm saying is, is if we in Christianity have a problem with you saying that to him, versus me saying oh, that absolutely. to him, yeah. that's an issue. Now, in wisdom, it makes a lot more sense for yeah. me to say it. Um, although, although I'll tell you this, I have I have buddies that are black pastors. They they feel like I'm in a different category. Mm-hmm. And one one friend of mine said, I asked him why. He said because you look more like white people than I do. Mm. So I think that that it, even though there we're both color, they, they you know, feel like it's it's a little bit different. Exactly. They would what? say like I haven't gone through the same struggles they have. Although that's not true. Like if you're in this part of the country, I mean, I'm not Mexican, but I look as Mexican as you can get, and I'm as culturally <laughs> Mexican as you can get. Like true. there are there are things that that Hispanics or Latinos, however you want to put it, have suffered through um, racially. That is, you know, they weren't in slavery, but like I mean. It's it's a similar kind of setup. So I, yeah, sure. In wisdom, it makes sense for yeah, me to yeah, say yeah. it, but we shouldn't be bothered by. Yeah, we should Christian all have the same heart for the gospel. Absolutely. That if a white guy says something stupid or a black or brown guy says something stupid, we all call it the same way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the problem I think is that we we make the conversation about politics. Mm-hmm. That's yep. the problem. Yep. Yeah. And so forget race for a minute. If this was an article about abortion yes. and then, then the conversations about abortion, that's mm-hmm. the problem. If the conversation is about poverty and you make the whole conversation about poverty, then that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And so as Christians, our conversation has to be about the gospel. Absolutely. And so it has to be about in Christ, there isn't uh there isn't a racial divide any longer. There isn't yeah. an economic divide any longer. There That's isn't, what he could have said. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in Christ, uh, abortion is offensive because God is the creator of all life. And like mm-hmm. in Christ, um, what was the third thing that I said? I don't remember, but- um, Poverty. Poverty, yeah. In, in, in Christ, the Bible instructs the believer to meet the needs of the other believer out of mm-hmm. your abundance. You care for the mm-hmm. other believer. Like yeah. the, we, we have to quit having these conversations on cultural platforms yeah. and start having the conversations. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We as Christians have to quit uh, having these conversations on the, the other people's turf. Yeah. And we've got to start having these conversations from a biblical or, perspective. Or we have a political conversation that is separate from, from the conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. of Christianity, right. which is, I think why it bothers me so much Pierce is because he's combining these two things together in a way that you, you can, we could combine it. We could combine the conversation in abortion. Like a Christian right. typically is going to feel different about abortion than someone who's not a Christian. Mm-hmm. I get that. But like, this isn't, this was an opportunity. I don't, I don't know who this dude is mm-hmm. to say, if he really is a believer, like in Christ, none of this matters, but instead he made it about race. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if, I think it's, I think heritage and legacy is beautiful too. So I think that's a angle he could have gone with this as well and say, here's, man, I love my legacy. I love my background. I love my family. Like it could have been that too, without it being a Christian thing, like just Mm -hmm. a personal thing, you know? I just, I just, it just makes me so frustrated when, when people claiming to be followers of Jesus taint the gospel by these things. And I'm talking about it. I am. Dilute the gospel, I think. Yeah. No, I think it's tainted. Do you? Yeah. Because what did he just say? This is about race. Yeah. 
I mean, Paul would say that if yeah. someone comes and preaches a gospel different than the one I preach, to hell with them is what yeah. he says. Mm. Um, I, I feel the same way about First Baptist Church of Dallas celebrating Trump as if he's the next Jesus. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fair across the board. I don't freaking care what color you are. <laughs> yeah. Is what I'm saying. Like, what what's the the issue for me is that the gospel is the gospel and in, and in how it's conveyed to people, not tainted by our political viewpoints yeah. or these other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm willing to have the conversation about whether it's tainted or not, but I feel very strongly that it's a tainted gospel. A diluted gospel is a tainted gospel in mm. my mind. Yeah, we, I think we have to talk about what is the gospel. Uh, we're about to. Yeah. Which is, I think you're actually going to prove the point when we get through this. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Well, Ryan, what are we talking about today? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pierce, today we are talking about what makes a Christian, what makes someone a Christian, and uh, how I think, you know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, test yourself, examine yourself to see whether or not you are in the faith. Or do you not know that we are in Christ Jesus unless, of course, you fail the test? I think, I think it behooves us to ask ourselves, especially people who grew up in church and been around church, yeah. like, it, it, are we a Christian? But um, Ryan, isn't Christianity defined as someone claiming to be a Christian? <laughs> well, actually, Pierce, uh, Christianity, I think, and uh, Paul's teaching of it would be very clear that it centers completely, 100% on what we say and believe about Christ. And his death, his resurrection, his deity. Um, we see in the Bible a lot of places where people believed in Jesus, and yet they weren't saved. And I think I think you could even argue from James chapter two that the demons believe and mm-hmm. and tremble. The demons believe that Jesus is God. When Jesus is casting demons out of people, they're like, "Have you come to punish us before the time? Or have you come to cast us into the abyss? We know that you're Jesus, the Son of God." Like. And and there's no redemption for them. And you could argue, okay, well, that's different because they the can't have redemption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can't. But like the 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 point being, James uses that as an example. Yeah. That there are people who believe but aren't saved. Like it's it's not just enough. I, or I, they believe specific things. They believe something about Christ. They don't believe what we would call the gospel. Right. And so so the gospel for us has to center on <laughs> Jesus as God his death and his resurrection. Um, and really, I guess what we're after is the question of like, <clears throat> like there's, uh, there's all these people who say I'm a Christian. Right. So like, how do you distinguish between that? And not just, not like we as actual followers of Jesus or however we're defining it are trying to figure out, is this person really a Christian or not? But really more so like, like how do we, I, I'll say it this way, considering like the political conversation, it, it matters in those conversations whether someone is actually, uh, I'll say it this way, actually a person of faith or not. Right. Um, the reason it matters for us is because if they're not a person of faith, our entire goal in those conversations is to to point him to Jesus. Yeah, sure. you're, you're not kicking him in his nuts if he's not a person of faith no. because yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's somebody who doesn't understand No, and, and a side note, I, yeah. I've literally never kicked anybody in the nuts before, but yeah, if, if, only if, one if you're scenario. new to the podcast, if you're new to the podcast, that's just kind of Micah's go-to. I'll I usually say, say throat punch. You know, I'm going to punch yeah. somebody in the throat, so... Although there, there, I can think of scenarios where it would happen, but it hasn't happened yet. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> sure. But well, I, mean, I, I think that there's, yeah. the reason it matters for us is because I think it's, imp- the goal for us still in us interacting with the world is for the sake of them knowing Jesus. And so where it gets tricky and sticky for us, what, were you worried about that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's recording. <laughs> it's not my job, but I just had it's this so panic. funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, where it gets sticky for us is like we have people who write articles who say I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and then the whole world goes, Oh, this person claims to be a Christian. Right. Therefore this is, must be what Christians believe. And we can get so bothered by that, that it, uh, um, it, it moves us away from the goal of saying we want people to know Jesus. So I'll, yeah. give, you, I'll give you an example. Um, the conversation I always go to when, when, when someone asks me like, what does it mean to be a Christian? These kind of things is, yeah. is Romans four. Cause I think that's a great place yep. for foundation because, because I think that what we call Christianity is a new term. You can talk about that in a second yeah. where it came from, but it's, I think maybe a better way to say it is people who've put their faith in God as a provider of salvation. Yes. People mm-hmm. of faith, I could say, because yeah. there's people of faith before Jesus came and there's people of faith after Jesus came. Yeah. But the, the object of their faith is the same. Same. The only exactly. difference is, is now the people of faith post Jesus are actually called Christians. There's a term mm-hmm. used, even though they're not different people in terms of people right. of faith. So Romans four, Paul tells us a story about Abraham, how God came to Abraham and made him a promise that you're going to have a kid. Um, and that through that kid, 
is this line of people that's going to come. And through that line of people, I'm going to bring the savior of the world. And the, the reason it was such a weird promise is because Romans says, and Paul, and Paul says in Romans 4, Abraham was old and his wife, he specifically says, was beyond the age of, of childbearing. Right. Um, and it's interesting how he says that. So there's no, the promise God makes to Abraham, there's no scientific backing. Right. There's no <laughs> written scripture at the time. Right. There's no evidence. There's no scientific method. There's no way to prove what God said is true or not. Right. And it says Abraham believed God. And it says in hope, he believed against hope. In other words, even though what God said seemed outrageous, Abraham believed what God said and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then he says, right. and that was not written for our sake or for his, for his sake, sake alone, but yeah. for our sake also for those of us who would basically put our faith in God as a provider of salvation as well. So this is the core. It, have you believed that God promised that he was going to send a savior and the fulfillment of that was Jesus? Right. Abraham didn't know it was going to be Jesus, but he knew it was coming through his line. So right. you, could, you could easily make a case that he actually put his faith in Jesus, yeah. just not knowing that his name was going to be Jesus. He put yeah. his faith in God, God as the provision of salvation through the coming Savior that would come through his line. So I think in its simplest form, Pierce, because you're going to ask me later, how do we simplify this? A real Christian is someone who's put their faith in God as a provider of salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then there's nuances, not nuances. There are specifics we would say in that. Like, you can't just say, I believe Jesus is God. Right. There are, to, to your point, there are demons who believe that. Or you right. can't just say, I believe in Jesus, that he's a great healer or a great right. man or a great teacher, great prophet. John 8 talks about all these people who had, quote unquote, believed in Jesus. But what they believed about Jesus was their own version of what they thought the Savior was right. supposed to be or what they thought this coming king was supposed yeah. to be. And later Jesus says, you belong to the devil. You're, yeah. you're sons you, of the devil. You so don't know the Father. You don't know me. saying you're not people of faith. Yeah. So you, it's not enough just to say, I believe in Jesus, or I believe that he is God. That is a piece of it, obviously. Yeah. But specifically that we ha- are sinful because of we're children of Adam. He says in Romans 5, we're yeah. by nature children of wrath because we are under God's wrath because we're children of Adam. And because of that, we are separated from God. And we were incapable of doing anything about that, which is why we needed a Savior. And right. so what we believe about Jesus as a Savior is that we are incapable of working to a right relationship with God again on our own, meaning we have to rely on God as a provider of salvation. So when we acknowledge faith in God as a provider of salvation, we're acknowledging to God we're sinful. We're acknowledging to God we're incapable of it, of fixing it on our own. We are acknowledging to God that he's a provider of salvation. We are confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, to which Paul says, by that we are saved. And I think that's the simplicity of it. We believe mm-hmm. that God is a provider of salvation, period. There's no other nuances that come along with it. Right. None. Right. None. It's it's it literally as simple as that. Well, then you have to, someone will say, well, you got to do all these other things to be a Christian. No, right. you don't. That's the simplicity of it. One, one of the problems I think that we've faced and one of the things that's hmm. contributed, nice. One of the things that has c- contributed to a misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian is that if you ask someone if they're a Christian, hardly ever do they lead with what they believe about Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Almost exclusively, they say, well, I go to church. Here's well, what I do. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a pastor. Well, I lead, you know, worship at our church or I sing in the I've choir. I've gone to church forever. Yeah, I, I read my Bible. Right. Oh, they do say that or, mm-hmm. or even like I was baptized yeah. in yeah. general. And, and so mm-hmm. I, I want you to think about this as a believer, just the testimony of the gospel. Like, I want you to think about this for just a second as a believer. If someone asks you, are you a Christian? And your first response, and I'm guilty of it too. I used to do it all the time. But if your first response is something other than who Jesus is, Mm. what you're conveying to that person is, here are the things that make you a Christian. And we're conveying a false gospel in that moment. And so if somebody asks you, are you a Christian? What if we just made it simple and we just said, here's who Christ is and here's what he's done? Uh, Because it is your testimony about who Jesus is that confirms you're a believer and none of these other things. Yeah. Uh, what if we What if we held what we believe about Jesus to be more important, in fact, than our Bible reading and our church attendance, these kinds of things? You know, mm-hmm. um, because because honestly, the, when we answer with all those other things, here's how I attend church. Here's the camp that I went to. I was baptized at this. Like those things don't work in communist China in the same way. Like those, <laughs> you know what I mean? Those things don't work in a little village in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so what we're doing is we're defining 
the gospel poorly, at least. You know, at, at, the, at the very least, we're defining the gospel poorly when I mean, our like answer— when someone says, here's what I've done. And, and so yeah. here's—maybe to, just to clarify a little bit, you're not, actually, you're, not, you're not actually saying that person isn't someone who's put faith in, in no, no, God. No, 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 What you're saying is, is that there has been this confusion over right. how we should explain it. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that, that somewhere along the way, we were taught to believe that what made us a Christian is all the things that we do yeah. instead of who Christ is. Yep. And and I I'm not saying you're not a Christian at all. But I'm, you might not be. Yeah, you might not be. If I mean, I think that's the case, right? Yeah. If, if you believe that all those things actually make you well, the a Christian, the, the reality is, if you and I are sitting down and I say, "What makes you a Christian?" and you give me a whole list of things you've done, and then I say, "Okay, yeah, but what do you believe about Christ?" and you are uncertain what you believe about Christ, then you're not a Christian. Mm. But if I sit down with you and have a conversation to say, "Are you a Christian?" you tell me about all the things you've done, and I say. What do you believe about Christ? And you say, man, he's God and he redeemed us and he died and he was raised from the dead. Then I can say, okay, that's what makes you a Christian. Mm-hmm. Now, and just to be clear, we're, we're, now we're using the word Christian in terms of someone who's put their faith in God as a provider of salvation, not in the cultural, cultural use. term. I think that's a nuance. That's the confusion. Is that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, people use the word Christian to mean like this cultural different viewpoint things. of Christianity. Um, and, and that's, I think that's what, that's why I feel like a deluded gospel is a tainted gospel. Yeah. Mm. Because if someone views, well, Christianity is this list of rules and things I got to follow, or mm-hmm. um, Christianity is making sure that we control uh, the city of Jerusalem like they did in the Crusades, you know, what I mean? or like, yeah. Yeah. or if if Christianity is about a bunch of white people having church together, which is literally only in the West, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, if that's my view of Christianity, I think that's that is a misrepresentation of the gospel. Yeah. If people, if, if that's what people are, are conveying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have, I've been in places east of here, um, churches where they talk about, let's talk about race for a second in this, where they talk about people of a different skin color, both skin colors. will talk about those other people at mm-hmm. churches. Right. The white church will be like those people, the black church across the tracks and the black church across the tracks will be like those people over there. Mm-hmm. You know, they use different terms, you know, yeah. for slang term for each other. The issue is, is that what you're conveying to people is that the gospel is about race. Right. And that I think is a tainted gospel. Yeah. yeah. I think that, is it possible that those people are talking about the gospel in terms of believing in God as provider of salvation through Jesus Christ in their churches? Yes. Um, but I think it, what what you're actually risking is that people think this is about being black or being white or being brown. And I think that's where I feel like it gets tainted yeah. is you're not actually talking about Jesus. We're It's like we're trying to make up our own rules of what Christianity looks like right. and then defining how you get there by those rules instead of saying to be a Christian is to be a person of faith who's put your faith in God as a provider of salvation fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing too, Micah. You and I've talked about that, not in at great lengths, but that really God is the object of our faith. Yes, it's yeah. it's our faith is in God, like you've said, as the provider for salvation, and that salvation's come through Jesus, who is God, who died and was raised from the dead, and uh, it cultural. I don't know, like it, it, it's difficult for us to. I, I think culturally it's difficult for us to use the word Christian, which is why yeah. 20 years ago when I was in college, a lot of people quit going, people quit asking, are you a Christian? And people started going, are you a disciple? <laughs> uh, and, and what they meant, what they meant was somebody who is diligently following Christ. But I, I think there's, there's constant struggle to try yeah. to better define, you know, like, because culture takes a word and it kind of, the word loses some of its potency Yeah, uh, as culture kind of, <sighs> adopts it, mm-hmm. you know? And so from a cultural standpoint, and we almost have to say that for the rest of the the podcast, if we, if we <laughs> yeah. use the word Christian, cultural Christian or Christian Christian, whatever. You I know, don't know. I mean, I think that I don't, I don't feel like, I mean, the Bible uses the word Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And so you should talk about that in a second. Let me okay. get this thought first, but like, I don't feel like changing the term because people suck at using it. No, I agree. Is like, you know, just because now people are like, what is a man and what is a woman doesn't mean I'm going to stop calling exactly, myself a man yeah. because yeah. people suck at defining a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, th- I think that, I think what's important is that we are able to talk about the gospel correctly yes. as people who proclaim to be Christians. Yeah. I, I think it's important, especially for us who are in teaching positions. If we say, 
um, are you a Christian today today to take another sentence to define biblically what that means? Not just leave people hanging. Yeah. yeah. Because because a lot of people are gonna go, Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm here at church, you know? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying Or they they in Indonesia, you have to like on your identification card, you have to say what religion you are, or if you're not religious, yeah. you have mm-hmm. to claim one. Gotcha. So there are people who will, I'm assuming, claim Christianity even though they're not yeah. Christians because that's the like the the culture that they're, that they're used in. to. Yeah. So there are people who say I'm Christian. But not because they've actually put faith in Jesus, but yeah. because they associate with Christianity more than other things. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the the term Christian is only used three times in the Bible. I'm not counting the heading that the editors have added in. Uh, we see it first in Acts 11 and 26, and it says, When Barnabas found Paul, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. Barnabas and Saul met with the church, taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And so the implication here is that the disciples were not calling themselves Christians, but other people were calling the Christians or calling the disciples Christians. They'd also been called, Paul will use this in Acts uh, 22, 24, something like that, when he's talking to King Agrippa about the way. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Paul Paul referred to the followers of Christ as followers of the, the way. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a reference to John chapter uh, 14, where Jesus says, I am yeah. the way, the truth, and the life. And so the early Christians frequently apparently called themselves followers of the way, like mm-hmm. here's the way to be saved. But as as Paul is giving his defense of the gospel to King Agrippa, King Agrippa says to, to Paul in Acts 26, do you think in such a short, short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And then the third place that's mentioned is in 1 Peter. 1 Peter deals a lot with uh, the Christian suffering because they're Christians. And he says, if you suffer because you're a murderer, you kind of deserve it. <laughs> you know, he says, <laughs> he goes, but if you suffer, he says in 1 Peter 4, 16, he goes, if you suffer because you're a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Mm. So this is kind of a reference to Acts chapter four, where the disciples were beaten for the cause of Christ and they went away celebrating that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. So in all of these cases, the term Christian is being applied by those outside of faith to those who are inside faith. Uh, yeah. So King Agrippa, the non-believers in Antioch, the non-believers in the dispersion who are looking at those who are following the way, following Jesus, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, you're Christians, you're little Christs, yeah. you're little anointed ones, right? And and so um, we're, we're completely comfortable with that term. It's been the term that has has been adopted by, you know, like we call ourselves Christians now. It, yeah. it used to be that people outside the church would call us Christians, but now that's how we identify ourselves. What we have to do is make sure that we don't uh, we don't make Christianity something less than what God has done through Christ. I think it's, yeah, and I think it's been, that's been woven into culture worldwide since what I'm going to call the institutionalization of the church. Mm. Yes. Um, and I think that's, that's when you start to see a shift where people associate with Christianity as like a— uh, um, identity yeah. Um, rather than someone who's actually put their faith in God as a provider of salvation through Jesus. And so then now that gets woven into culture. Now people think I'm a Christian because I am a pretty good person or like, <laughs> yeah. I believe in God, so I must be a Christian. Um, I think it's changing. I think there's this, uh, I think what you see in a lot of culture around the world right now is this, this like um, movement away from from Christianity as a culture, um, which is wrecking our societies mm-hmm. and will probably be uh, the reason that there are tons of people that come to know Jesus. Yeah. Because you can, you're going to start to see, I'll give you an example. When, when it's illegal someday, if it happens for us to meet freely on Sundays to worship in the, like States. Yeah. In the States, when it comes to the U.S., there will be people who will be like, I'm done with this crap. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to die over this. Oh, I, I think it'll be even before that. I think if the government ever takes away nonprofit status from churches and people can no longer get deductions, mm-hmm. I think people will be done with church well before persecution. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Possibly. A little side note here. Most people aren't getting those deductions now anyways. Really? Because, yeah, because Trump changed the standard deduction to real high. Oh, so like, unless you get, so like, you might be right for like wealthy people, but yeah, but not people, for people like you and me. <laughs> nope. So that's we're already there, and it's so I I think it's going to be when they say you can't meet anymore. Um, nonprofit status. What it might change is how churches function. Yeah. Um, mm. and that 
that might, I mean, I think you're going to see to, to your point, maybe some of it there because you're, you're probably not going to have these giant organizations of churches right. like that have been, you're going to see more house churches and things like that, that don't have a lot of overhead. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think point being when those kind of things start happening, which is kind of what you're saying is there will be people who are like, I'm done with this crap. And what you're going to start to see is the people who, the people who are, who have put their faith in God as provider of salvation through Jesus, they're going nowhere. Yeah. There's stories of the, of the, the Christians that meet in China. I've heard this of like, they will meet in these like secret places and they sing, but they don't want to be heard. And so they will have, they will have a rotating group of people who will beat pots and pans <laughs> so that it will cover up the sound of them singing. And they rotate out so that people can sing. And then some people have to go beat the pots and pans. <laughs> In a place where they would die or be put in prison yeah. just for worshiping like that, yeah. th- this is um, this is where you see the authenticity of people who've actually put faith in Jesus. Someone who hasn't put faith in Jesus is not willing to go through that right. with the mm-hmm. risk of, of death. Um, for those of us who have, we're unstoppable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're unstoppable. And not in the way like, this isn't like a screw you world unstoppable. This is like, world, we want you to know Jesus and we're going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Exactly. And we're not going to stop meeting together. We're um, there will be no pandemic that will ever shut us down. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's another example. There are people who have not come back yeah. to church from the pandemic. Two years ago. Yeah. 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 So uh, granted, obviously there's some of those people who maybe are like crazy immune compromised and yeah, like, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah risk of death and they're, they're trying to do the best they can that way. But I'm talking about the people who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm good now. I didn't really you know? miss yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then again, what we were talking about uh, earlier in the car ride out is that even church attendance isn't the measuring stick of whether or not you're a Christian. Nope. nope. But yeah. Even though we've made it that way for a long time. Yeah, we have. And I think that's the, like the institutionalization of it as well. Yeah. It's yeah. like, here's, here's what you're supposed to do if you are a Christian. Mm-hmm. You got to check the, check the boxes. To one of my, I think one of the, my favorite stories about just a, a, a Christian who, um, I don't know. I, I love, I love the story. You can, Google this, you can read it, the martyrdom of Polycarp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Polycarp was a direct disciple of John the disciple. And he died in about 150, 160 AD. And he was an old guy. And there was news, there was a report that they were hunting for him, that they were going to put him to death. So he fled for a little bit. And then they ended up finding him. And when they came into this house where they were going to arrest him, he, he asked his host at this house to feed them dinner, these soldiers. And he said, let me just pray for an hour. And so he ended up praying for like four or five hours and he <laughs> prayed for the church and he prayed for all the people he had met. And then he agreed to go with them. And so they went and they, the governor of the time or whatever met with him in the chariot outside the Colosseum and said, look, you're an old man. Uh, do yourself a favor and deny Christ and proclaim Caesar as God and we'll let you go. And he, he goes, he goes, no, he goes, I, I've followed Christ for 84 years and he's never done me wrong. I'm not going to do him wrong now, you know? <laughs> so they throw him out of the chariot and it said that he, uh, he limped into the Coliseum because he had dislocated his hip. And he, he stands before all the That's people. That's bad in your 80s, man. That's like a right? sentence. <laughs> yeah. So he's standing before this Coliseum full of people. And, you know, this is second century and Christians were called atheists because they, they denied all the Roman gods. Mm. And so the governor shouts down to him. He says, uh, proclaim away with all the atheists and we'll let you live. And he looks at the Coliseum full of people and he goes, <laughs> yes, indeed, away with all you atheists. <laughs> and which is just funny because it's like, yeah. yeah. And, and then the governor calls down to him and says, he goes, don't you, don't you know that I have the power to burn you with the fire? And he goes, oh man, he goes, you speak of a fire that will burn me for but an hour, mm. but you don't know anything of the hellfire that will burn you forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, persuade the people then to be Christians. And he goes, no. He goes, the scripture teaches me to honor um, my leaders. And if you want to set a time, you pick the time and I'll tell you all about Christ, but I'm not going to make my defense to them. And so they end up putting him to death. But like, he just, here's this dude that's like, I I don't know if he's 84 years old or if he's been walking with Christ for 84 years and he's older than that, but either way, he's he's an old old dude. (laughs) And he's like, Jesus is the real deal. I'm I'm not going to make my life easier. Yeah. You know, like. Christ is everything for me. And Someone who hasn't put their faith in Jesus doesn't do that. No, they're done. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not even Poly, hip Like I think what dislocated. we forget <laughs> is like Polycarp didn't do that because he was a strong dude on his own. Right. Polycarp did that because the spirit lived in him. That's right. the strength. And he's so compelled by who he is in Christ that nothing can ever change that or take right. it away. So it's mm-hmm. not that he was a better dude than anyone else. You know, I don't know if you remember this growing up, but like, 
people would always ask, like, are you, are you at a point in your life where you're ready to die for Jesus? And we would always like gauge that based on how, like how good of we're doing in our walk with Christ. Well, I don't, I don't think I'm ready yet. I'm not sure if I'd, yeah, yeah. I, I just have a hard time believing that those of us who've put our faith in Jesus, that the spirit lives in us, mm-hmm. that we could say it all, that we're, we're too weak to deal with persecution. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, I, there's a scenario I always like morbidly think of, like I've read these books where these martyrs are like lined up in their, this family of Christians is lined up in their home and the people persecuting them are saying like, renounce Jesus. And they're looking at the dad or I'm going to start shooting your kids, mm-hmm. that kind of scenario. Right. And I think, I think with my kids, I would be like, Hey, see you guys in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think it yeah. may be as scared as my my younger kids would be, honestly, I think my kids hopefully have seen enough in me of like a heart for Jesus that they would go, okay, yeah, like bring it on. I think that they have that same zeal and passion because the same spirit lives in them. Right. Yeah. You know, not well, that you're not nervous or scared or like worried about pain and suffering. Jesus was in the garden. Yeah. You know, he was, he was yeah. agonizing over the pain and he was about to suffer. So I'm not saying we go at it like not thinking about those things or, or like right. strained over those things. But it doesn't false bravado or anything like that. It's no, not that, yeah. no, it's not like Mel Gibson and Braveheart where he's like, bring it on, and they're stretching him out and pulling on his intestines yeah, or whatever yeah. else that they did to. Like, I'm not saying that we're like, yeah, come on, bring it on. What I'm saying is, is like, nothing will ever change the fact that we have put our faith in Jesus. We've been made Absolutely. new, and we will never turn away from that. That's why, yeah. like, people I've heard people say with you know situations that have happened at the 456 in the past. Well, you know that that guy that used to be on staff, he probably was a Christian, and now just isn't. And I'm like, no. Nope. He was not, you, you don't say, uh, you cannot say, those who have left were never part of us. Yeah, First John that? 2, 18 and 19, that yeah. if they departed from us, they were never of us. For mm-hmm. if they were of us, they would have never departed. And I think that that gets missed. Like, th- yeah. this, isn't, this isn't church attendance. This isn't Bible reading. This isn't the Christian t-shirts. The thing that enables us to stay and endure is what we know and believe about Christ. Absolutely. By like, the power of the Spirit in us. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and so like when Paul and I alluded to this at the beginning of the talk, when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, test yourself, examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. It, the criteria is, don't you know that Christ is in you? Yeah. <laughs> Unless of course you fail the test. And so like he he's not going, don't you know that you fed the the poor? Which we're, that's a great thing to do. You know, going to church, great thing to do. Worshiping with fellow believers, great thing to do. None of those are the things that identify you as a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They are, they are fruits of who you now are. It is the new self, the yeah. new life that produces those kind of things. The tricky thing is, is we often gauge those as like too much of a standard because now you could say like, if it's, for example, feeding the poor, well, I don't actually have to have a relationship with Jesus to feed the poor. Mm-hmm. Right. Going to church. I don't actually have to have a relationship with Jesus to go to church. Right. So if those are the standards, then then people don't even have to put their faith in God as a provider of salvation through Jesus to right. accomplish those mm-hmm. standards. That's where it gets tricky. And that's what I think we've done culturally too often is made those the standards instead of right. what you've actually believed about God's provision of salvation. Yeah. Jesus. And, and so that's why I think it would be good for us. It's something that I'm working on in myself is I'm trying when people ask me questions like, are you growing in your faith? I'm trying to answer those kinds of questions. Are you a Christian? I'm trying to answer those kinds of questions with answers that pertain to who Christ is rather than what I'm doing. What you've done or what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or what I'm striving to do. You yeah. don't um, say like, I read the Bible six times this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that as much as you think I have. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you've done it more than most people. Possibly. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to say yes. I don't even know. I think another big shift as well. What was the story... I think there's a story one of you guys would share uh, where people were getting baptized and they were lined oh, yeah, up. Yeah. And as they were was, coming uh, out, they were getting Yeah, shocked. yeah, that's a great example. So I met um, this dude named Gatana Gatana. That's a great name. Oh, yeah, Gatana <laughs> Gatana. Uh, he's from the Sudan, was a pastor in the Sudan. I don't know how long he was a believer. I don't know if he grew up a believer or not. But um, he, when I met him, this is probably 15, 18 years ago, mm-hmm. um, he had he was in the States and was was working for Voice of the Martyrs, kind of telling his story as as like a... Mm-hmm. A, a promotion to help them, you know, like raise support for what they're doing, the ministry they're doing around the world. But he said when he was in the Sudan, two things happened. One, uh, some Muslim rebels caught him one day and, or like picked him up one day and boiled a pot of water and hung him above, like hung him by his hands up above the pot of water and said, renounce Jesus or we're going to like dip you into this mm. 
pot of boiling water and he didn't. And so they kept lowering him over and over and it was like to up to his ankles in this boiling water. And he showed me his feet and it was Golly. bad. Anyways, the story you're talking about is he said we had this uh, service one day and he said we had like, I don't know, it's just like a crazy amount of like 30 or 40 people. I'm mm-hmm. number might be off, but a bunch of people put their faith in Jesus. Yeah. He said, so we had planned a baptism service a little while later where mm-hmm. we'd take him down to the river and baptize him as, as new believers. And so the, there's some Muslim rebels who found out about it and uh, showed up at the river. So when all these brand new believers, let's just say less than two weeks, I'm guessing, you know, it was fairly re- or fairly yeah. soon after they put their faith in Jesus, the Muslim rebels said, if any of you go into this, this river and are baptized into the name of Jesus, when you come out of the water, we will shoot you. Because in Islam, they are basically rejecting their God, they're rejecting the family, mm-hmm. they're rejecting the people. Right. So it's an incredible offense yeah. for these people to say, we're rejecting everything that is is dear to our people. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that was the offense. And so one by one, Gatana said, every, every single one of those people went down under the river and came up and was shot. Wow. And Dan, to y'all's point earlier, like those people we would say are people of faith, but they didn't have two weeks. I mean, say two weeks yeah. believers. They probably they, didn't even have church attendance they, at all. Exactly. Yeah. No church well, attendance. And, they don't have a record of the And you're the not going to take a done. bullet because you're a church attender. Exactly. Nope. You're just so not. we would nope. say these are firm believers of faith yeah. who are rejoicing and they had of Christ right now. Yeah. And so they had like, no spiritual growth or very right. little yeah. time to have yeah, spiritual exactly. growth. So, right. so like, mm-hmm. it's not like that. someone said, hey, um, let me prep you for this. Now, I'll, I'll give a, a nuance to that. If someone puts their faith in Jesus in a culture where they recognize if they put their faith in Jesus, I'm rejecting everything that mm. that I have believed. I'm rejecting my family. I'm rejecting the gods of my family. They know the risk of what they're doing. Yeah. So it's not like an American who has zero risk putting their faith in right. Jesus, putting their faith in Jesus, and then some, someone holds a gun up to their head and says, renounce Jesus or I'll kill you. We don't know emotionally how to deal with that. Right. That's not our culture. These people know yeah. the risk when they put their faith in Jesus, which is also why, in my mind, it is an, an easier, it is oftentimes more clear, I'll say it that, to see someone who's actually put their faith in God as a provider of salvation through Jesus than here. There's yeah. a lot of times in the U.S. where people will get emotionally hyped at a sermon or at a retreat or yep. something, and then they will... The, the pastor will do something ridiculous, like say, hey, just repeat this prayer after me and you'll be saved. Yep. Side note, if you're like, Micah, what are you talking about? No prayer ever saves us. Mm-hmm. And if you believe that what, what yeah. saves us, I know what you were thinking. What saves us is faith in Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. And if a it, prayer is an acknowledgement of what, the, what you've just done, if you pray and you say, God, I put my faith in you as Savior. It is not the words coming out of your mouth right. that saves you. It's the fact that you've put your faith in God. If yeah. you actually believe— The prayer may be an expression of the genuine faith you but have. But it's not the faith. But if the you, prayer— If you believe the that the words—, words yeah. If you believe that the words that come out of your mouth save you, you believe in witchcraft. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that is not the gospel. Right. And so that's—there are a lot of people who have said a prayer— and they're like, well, why in the heck does my life not yeah, I was, look like I was this at, at a all? wedding once, a guest at a wedding where the pastor led the entire congregation in that prayer and just said, if you've just said that, you're a Christian now. And I'm just thinking Ugh. like, okay, you know, like whatever, you yeah. know. Um, it really is. It's I freaking witchcraft. Yeah, I didn't yeah. repeat it because I was like, screw you. I became a Christian when I was three, <laughs> you know, like, uh, but, uh, but it's one of those things. I think, too, that we desire so many, we desire rightly that people would be believers and be Christians Mm -hmm. and then wrongly we we measure that based off of well they're a decent person they're a nice person they go to church with me I brought them to church this one time and and I think we do that so that we can feel like more and more people are coming to faith we do that so that you know oh we I can't tell you how many times I've I've asked somebody about uh you know, hey, so this so-and-so that you're dating or this person that you're engaged to, are they a Christian? Oh man, they're such a sweet person. They're so nice. And you're like, no, no, no. But what do they say about Christ? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what it what matters is what we say about Jesus. That's yeah. the thing that like, uh, that's the thing that is the entire measure of whether or not somebody is a Christian, whether or not somebody belongs to the way, whether or not somebody is a person of faith, whatever you want to call it, whatever term you uh, disciple, whatever you like the best, it mm-hmm. all is going to boil down to what you say and believe about Jesus. Yep. Yeah. And what's crazy, that is, I mean, yeah, with the simpler view we said earlier, faith faith in God is the provider of salvation. It all boils, in today's day and age, that boils down to Jesus. When you're reading the Old Testament, 
Yeah. We we now can look back in retrospect and know that they're placing their faith in the coming Messiah, who is Jesus. Right. Faith yep. in God as the provider of salvation. What's so crazy is that we live in a culture that oh, that complicates the crap out of that, but it's so simple. And that that's the reason why it is this simpler view is that this what, is, I think, the ultimate simpler view of anything exactly. else we've right. ever talked about. Exactly. This is the core thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if you're listening and you've been in church your whole life, and and one of us were to meet with you and ask you, "Are you a Christian?" Um, what we want to know is, what do you believe about Jesus? Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're sitting there listening to this, going, "I'm not entirely sure I believe in the resurrection. I'm not entirely sure I believe Jesus is God," then you are not a Christian, and mm-hmm. that's not meant to knock your legs out from under you. It's meant to encourage you to get settled on what you believe about Christ. To consider it. Yeah. yeah. We want you to know that Jesus is God. We mm-hmm. want you to know that he is the only means I, of salvation. It's funny to me that so many people want to say I'm a Christian. With no, reg- no yeah, consideration yeah. So like, there's this, And I get it. Yeah. There's like this emotional hangup. Like, well, if I say I'm not actually a Christian, then my life has been a fake up to this point. Um, and that might actually be a reality. Yeah, but. But Let's the, get it right. Right. That's the. I think what, what's funny <laughs> exactly. is like, okay, you're 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 missing out on the opportunity that comes through putting actually putting faith in Jesus. Yeah. To have true real life. Um, I had this conversation recently. Like, I, I think that there are people who who view Christianity from the experiences they've had growing up. Like, if you hear mm, yeah. someone who says, "I don't believe in Jesus anymore because of what happened at church," that means that they never really put their faith in Jesus. They put they their were faith measuring in Christianity based off of something performance else. or exactly. Works. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm not talking about like saying, I don't want to go back to church anymore. I'm saying right. like, I get that. I've been to some churches where right. I was like, I, if anybody in the church says, I don't ever want to go to church again, I'd kind of understand even the Christians. But I'm saying right. if someone's like, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus because I've seen what happens in the church. That's not someone who's actually put their faith in Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, someone who's put their faith in Jesus, even if they don't like specific churches, they love the body of Christ so right. much yeah. that they will be passionate enough to find another place to go or to stand up in the, the congregation they're at and be like, this is BS and I'm done with it. Like yeah. you got to yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. But you don't see people just leave and go, I'm done with Jesus who've never put their faith in Jesus. Yeah. If, if Jesus is the measure of your faith, then idiot people won't change your faith. Nope. Exactly. Um, if, if your your faith in Christ, like you're saying, Micah, is altered because of idiot people, then your faith wasn't in Christ. It wasn't in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let idiot people have, take the reins. Let Jesus take the reins. Especially Jesus take right, the real. Your, real. Oh my God. Are you, are you, are you saying reins or reins? Reins. <laughs> reins. Reins. Yeah, say the G. Reins. Reins. Yeah. Hey, uh, one last thought. Stop having like conversations and arguments about Christianity on social media. It yes. doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, well, and it's not fruitful. And I was going to say a second it's ago as well. Fruitful. I think you brought up a brilliant point of of addressing where people are if if they they aren't at a place where they can say they believe in the resurrection, where they believe in that Christ is who he says he is. But to also for you guys who uphold Jesus for who he is. I think helping shift the conversation Yeah, where when you're asked, are you a Christian? You can help change culture. Uh, so encouraging you guys, when you ask, when you're asked if you're a Christian, you feel, you feel the pull within you to say, yeah, I do X, Y, and Z. I do yeah. these things. I go to this church. I do these things. I think we can, we can begin to shape the culture and say, yes, this is who Jesus is. Yeah. Yes. I believe that Christ that is the on provider. social media, but not an argument. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Instead of getting an argument, be like, here's the gospel. Yeah. Don't and, argue about exactly, it. Just yeah. say it. And, and let's be, I want to be really clear too. Like, um, if somebody comes to you and goes, Hey, are you a Christian? Start with what you believe about Jesus, yeah. but then yeah. invite them to be part yeah. of your church and say, Hey, church. we have, we have a we group of people group that meet up. for coffee. Come and hang with yeah. us. Like yeah. those things are all great things. We're not saying those things are not good things. Yeah. And maybe, a, maybe a perspective shift for us too, is we've always in the culture we grew up in the denominational culture we grew up in, we have always thought of salvation as like this, this like point where like, I had no idea what, what to believe about Jesus. And then someone shared the gospel with me. I put my faith in Jesus. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it's a journey of yeah. like, yeah. I've heard these things for a long time. And then one day I go, I actually believe this. So, yeah. so having people who aren't even Christians come be part of your small group or yeah. come be part of your, yeah. your church services. These are, are good things. Not that the church is for non-believers. We're not in that camp at all. Right. Like no. church services is what I mean. 
But I mean, like involving people in your life in a way where with a goal of letting them get exposed to the gospel, that's a really important, healthy thing. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. th- like to your point, we were all taught that it's like a moment, this thing. But one of my closest friends, longtime friends uh, from college, Ryan, who's a pastor in Australia, uh, I forget his exact story, but he says basically somewhere between like sixth and eighth grade, he put his faith in Christ. And he said he doesn't, he can't tell you when in there it was, mm-hmm. but that's when he was really growing and that's when he was at church and he was learning. And somewhere in there, he came to believe Jesus is God and Jesus is my yeah. redemption. And so yeah. like me, I can point to a day, but I can almost always can. point to a day <laughs> <True>. <laughs> about everything. So <laughs> like, uh, but you know, just it, it, it isn't the day. It isn't the time period. It's what you say and what you believe about Jesus. Yep, absolutely. And if you believe it about Jesus, you're not denying that about Jesus two years later. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's no denial where we are. We're at the Garden Audio. That's where we are. We're hanging out. Well, you go follow at the Garden Audio. Follow Stephen on Instagram. Like I said a second ago, at the Garden Audio. That's his Insta handle. Go follow him. Go see what's going on. Go check him out. Go talk to him. Send him messages. Say, hey, Pierce sent me to send you a message. And I want to say, hi, you're pretty today. Just tell him that. Oh, Encourage him. Do, do it. Make you're it make him today. uncomfortable. <laughs> make him blush. Yeah. yeah. Just do it while you're over there. Give That's us a white follow. people do. They blush. That's right. Yeah. They make the pink shine through even more. Uh, uh, while you're at social media, follow at Simpler Pod. Guess what's happening this weekend, guys? Three days Ooh, from now. Three days man. from the time you're listening to this is the Simpler Conference, and so uh, we're excited to see if you guys. You, if you want to go now and you, your weekend opened up, and you're thinking, "Man, is there a free spot?" Go check out the link in the show notes. Go to our to our social medias at Simpler Pod and see. Hey, is there a spot for the weekend for the conference? It's only ten dollars. It's this weekend, May thirteenth and fourteenth. We got six sessions. One of those is Simpler Live. We're also talking about family, parenting, marriage, finances, uh, reshaping faith. Uh, emotional baggage, some other stuff. We've we're gonna have merch. We're gonna have different things. We're gonna be hanging out. Steven's gonna be hanging out. It's gonna be a good time. It's all happening in San Angelo at the four fifty six church. Only ten dollars. So yeah, this is your last week to sign up. And we're gonna man, people are gonna get goodie bags when they show up. I don't think we've even said that before. So yeah, and some goodies and some goodies not within the, the goodie bag. bags. Yeah, not just the bag. <laughs> you get a swag goodies bag in and the bag. nothing else. No swag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So yeah. So yeah. Late registration, it'll registration will be open until the day of. So get registered, $10, only that. So yeah, um, come hang out with us. It'll be a great time. It'll be a great weekend um, here in San Angelo at the 456 at the Simpler Conference. And as always, keep Christ's core. What could be simpler than that? We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Got to get to that bathroom, huh?